oh God, no, I think it needs to be talked about because you, you have a couple, I think if you do it and it goes amazing, you're absolutely buzzing because you're like, this is the best like invention ever. And everybody that we were talking to that was doing them and it was going well, you're like, oh my God, like I'm never going to leave my house again. And like, I'm never coming out of my pajamas and next time I'm going to shoot in the bath. And you know, you, it's just so practical but when it goes bad and I had three back to back and it was just unsettled babies, one that's had just had their jags um, and then just a family where the little one just wanted to keep grabbing the phone. And because he was mobile and he could get up and he could do it, when he got the phone, he, he just launched it. So the connection was going all the time and the mother was getting frustrated and she sees the images that I put up of other mothers and it's all very ethereal. I'm like, we took hundreds of pictures to get that one image like don't judge yourself by that at all this is all smoke and mirrors love like you know it was crazy so don't put any pressure on yourself and I always say we get normally get the shots normally get the shots in the last five minutes so don't stress yourself out the goal isn't to live forever the goal is to create something that will Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding creatives, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so you can learn from us and to grow your wedding business. On today's episode of Perspective, we're talking to one of my favorite people on Clubhouse, voice for podcasting, but can he keep a tune, virtual artist Kelly Quinn Lynch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can't keep a tune can't you don't know it. that I can't keep a tune possibly you're, I could you are, you're spoiling the intro you you <laughs> get back and get, shush as COVID measures set in, Kelly turned her attention to recreating old masters with her family and started the Q Muse project her FaceTime sessions as a creative outlet during the isolation period if you've ever been interested in pivoting to sessions with more of a digital twist then Kelly is one of the greatest voices in the space we think All of her work is amazing, but I do wonder if Instagram does too. Yes, we're going to be diving into the topic of censorship on today's discussion. So if you've been struggling with social media removing your post because of some nips or something, keep listening. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack and for a limited time, beans.ie. So Greg, I'm going to pour your coffee. Uh, I don't actually know what we're drinking. I, I think you, you brewed it, so I think you said it was Honduras. It's a Honduras. It's the... Uh, is it High Five? It is the High Five. High Five from Proud Mary. Which comes under their Curious uh, tab. Good, I was pe- feeling a bit curious they go. today. In a tall glass. It's weird. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know why I did that, but... Um, well, we know we already like this because we've drank it a few times. Oh, yes, it's good. Yes. Um, So yes, like I mentioned, we are of course sponsored by our coffee suppliers. As photographers, filmmakers and business owners, we know the power of stories and beans.ie do too. They started because they knew there were so many stories to tell about the world of coffee and not just about the regions of the varieties, but about the people behind the beans, the roasters and us, the drinkers. This is the most flexible coffee subscription that we have ever used, showcasing some of the top roasters around the world who bring something different to your table. You've been listening to Greg and I talk for years now about what we've been drinking at our podcast table, but now you can join us. Curate your own monthly subscription from an ever-changing list of beautiful coffees, and because you are our best friends, we're hooking you up with a promotional code... 
If you use the promo code PERSPECTIVE15, you get 15% off your first order. That is PERSPECTIVE15 to get 15% off your first order for coffees with stories. <clears throat> What's wrong with me today? With, for coffees with stories sent straight to your door. Butchered that. But hello, Kelly. How are you? <laughs> that was smooth. That was smooth. Very smooth. <laughs> yeah, if you, ever, if you ever want me to do that for you again, I'll, um, I'll jump in with my smooth voice. <laughs> who needs the podcast who needs any podcast to be smooth anymore no 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 it's it's just not, it's just more entertaining if it's a little bit of a car car crash so not not smooth not smooth on clubhouse either mm. no chance nah no so so do you have anything you're drinking over there are you on your third or fourth am, coffee no i'm a, a one coffee at the moment now i'm on a big bottle of uh soda stream sparkling water that's I what i'm on i, I love a soda stream wine i love yeah. wine <laughs> Nope. <laughs> oh, I love a soda stream, but I've been I've been waiting for um uh my local shop to to open because I because I like to do the kind of a canister exchange, you know. Yeah. Wait a second. My Bluetooth is just going a bit funny there because oh no, I think somebody tried to call me. Can you hear me? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. We absolutely just, can. Good. Good. Is it still coming through your brand new AirPods? Uh, no, it's not because someone just tried to send me a little FaceTime video call there. Um, <laughs> so that disconnected us as the go. Mm. We can keep going. They know you're uh, you're obviously uh, talking live to us. Yeah, no, I think it was. It was a deliberate <laughs> sabotage. <laughs> it was a deliberate sabotage. <laughs> Do your kids have pads? Maybe it's them. No, no, no. It's a, it's a grown ass adult. I can see it was <sighs> a grown ass adult. Yeah, oh, I know. Honestly, honestly. Come on, come on, people, leave her alone. I know she's popular, but we've got her. She's ours right now. So, yeah, I'm going to just speak to you on these ones until I can get my ear. There we go. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us today on this Easter Friday. I know. Kids off school, crazy times. I know. I know. And we're here in the studio avoiding my kids. (laughs) (laughs) I am an awful, I'm an awful person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so cool. l- like I said on the intro you are obviously one of my favorite clubhouse uh, voices to listen to yeah in, in case people don't know and I, I have mentioned it on the podcast quite a bit but quite a bit <laughs> yeah it is one of my favorite rooms the photography and womanhood uh, room do you want to tell people about it when it is where they can find it yeah we started I started the group with Emma Lawson on a Monday and a Thursday at nine thirty now in the morning because obviously kids are back at school um we right. we used to be on a Monday and a and a Friday, but just kids again screwing up plans um and it was basically just a place to uh, just a safe place for people to come in and women to come in and just talk about um anything that began on Monday just to, what was the plans for the week and then Thursday, just accountability, really, and just somewhere for us to bump our gums. We're all self-employed and at home, or maybe one or two business partners like yourself. But other than that, we don't really get to talk, and we just needed a staff room, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. and people out there are thinking, hang on, why is Simon in the room? I just love it. Yeah, well, we, we, buzz, we buzz you in all the time. That's a must for the banter. Yeah, yeah, it's an honor. Uh, me and Jeremy, I, f- I feel, are uh, regular listeners to the room. You're yeah, right, you're like, very good. We've even talked about Kegels. with the help of my wife as well which i thought was exactly exactly (laughs) Uh, so it doesn't always go down the vagina route obviously but um it does a lot to be honest it does i don't mind that that's That's fine that's okay you're right though as as self-employed people and usually sole sole operators you miss out on that 
staff room or just banter with work colleagues. Like we've we've got the office here and there's seven or eight of his work from it. But because of COVID, we're not being in the office. So we've been missing out yeah. on that as well. And it's like, normally you just turn around and sh- shout something across the room and bounce ideas off someone else who's a creative with a different input. But we've been missing that this year. Yeah, 100%. And I think if anything, it's probably put us under even more stress um, because your income's not coming in and your creativity's going and you're at home with your children and that's also putting you under stress. So I think if anything, Clubhouse came along at the perfect time for us. To, the first couple of weeks, all we talked about was mental health. And then it was nice to move on to talking about our work. And obviously, like we're saying with the censorship and the virtual portraits and stuff that were taken off globally and being, you know, probably one of the, the photography world's kind of biggest global trends. It was a place for us to all come together because everybody was just fudging it. And, mm. and working out what to do and it brought the app developers in together and people that had been doing them for ages and it was just such a good um it was such a good space i think it was probably one of the saviors of um lockdown to be honest was jumping onto clubhouse it really gave people some relief yeah no i agree and well i, I mean i don't know about you but when i first got the app i was on it for like hours hours yeah. just listening and then oh yeah it's just, it's just such a good app i, I, I don't know why and it helps you know, it, for, for people out there who like struggle with like public speaking or whatever, it's kind of a nice, soft way to introduce yourself into that kind of realm of speaking to people who you maybe don't know yet. Yeah. Oh, um, it was it was sickening the amount of time you could spend on it. Yeah. <laughs> but th- I mean, that that's kind of key for me. The people you don't know yet. Like I have met and heard from so many voices that I just wouldn't have, you know, if this app didn't exist. So I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It expanded, I think, people's um, profiles. It really helped my business on Instagram. I mean, obviously not Facebook, but it really, really helped boost my Instagram and open me up to the brands that were out there as well. And yeah. there was people that worked with brands and there was commercial directors and project managers. And I think when you think about a brand and wanting to work with them, you're, you struggle to think about even how to approach them. So I think when people were coming in and they were project managers and assistant project managers and brand managers and, you know, art directors, and they were all in one place and they were like, anyone get any questions? You were like, hell yeah, I've got a question. Like, how do I get in touch with you? And everybody was just sharing all this information. And you were like, this would have taken so many doors to knock on and so many emails to maybe get traction with these people who were now just all sitting in clubhouse going, talk to me. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. So obviously, you've mentioned that the the womanhood room gets pretty interesting. So drop some truth bombs that you've heard in some some other rooms or some of your rooms recently. Um, I don't think any bomb. I don't think there was any bombs apart from the the room that I remember the most with two guys that were on it, and I think we've all spoke about it. And they started a room called "Why All Photographers on Clubhouse Are Shit." <laughs> and it was quite a big room and it's been a controversial room since it was it was it went on and it was it was hundreds of people in the room and it, people were like fighting like and it was brutal and I was in it and I heard it and it's like the stuff of legends but the guys did it to get traction and they mm-hmm. admitted it afterwards and it was so not what they are like actually as people they're super helpful super nice 
Um, but they just wanted a controversial room to pull people over to their rooms mm. and it worked, but some people are just not forgiving them for it. And it's been like one of the most controversial things <laughs> that I've heard from then. Um, yeah. where the guys are actually just quite nice guys, um, complete alpha male. So probably not the best, um, in our room because they would be ripped to shred by all the, the ladies, but that room will go down in history as one of the most brutal things to listen to. But People were asking for feedback on their images, and some of the images were a bit shit. Yeah. And they told it, they told it how it was, you know. And I was like, if you don't want to hear it, maybe don't ask. Is, is this the room now? I, I jumped on to Clubhouse very quickly yesterday, even though I was kind of, you know, busy with organizing podcasts and stuff. But did I hear? Was that the room where, in particular, uh, was it Laura Martha? Her. She had an image of your face that got slated online. Is that the same room? No, that was no. another room. That was another room. So that was the that was the discussion and all of it. An image of your face got <laughs> slated online. There we go. Open to interpretation on many levels. But yes, that was another room um, mm-hmm. where I think that was what was quite a hot subject because um, a lot of the rooms that have been critiquing portfolios have been male orientated. Mm. So the point of what um, Laura was bringing up was this room that this um, this image that had been absolutely slated, not slated, well it was, it was absolutely slated. I never heard it and she's she hasn't told me, so I don't know if it was oh, genuinely right, okay. my face or someone told me it was, it was about yeah. the technical stuff of it. And I said but your face, she, I said your face because that's exactly how you worded it. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it was you who's in the room at this time and I heard you say that that word so I thought that's a funny way to put that so I'll write that down that was funny when I said it (laughs) it was funny when I no it was it was um she just wanted to bring up that the fact that there was an image that women had all voted was the her favorite their favorite image on her page recently Mm -hmm. but a man had critiqued it so they were like they needed some more rooms where the portfolio reviews were done by women um and Sarah who's just joined us in the audience we were talking about this off last uh, offline last night to say we would love to see more representation of different ages of women mm. as well because I'm forty plus so I can photograph twenty year old women all day like they can bust out any angle that they want but it would be nice to see a representation of women doing more critiques mm. and also different genres and different ages of women yeah you know it's not all twenty year olds that just have babies mm-hmm. also- say me who had one for my fortieth just putting <laughs> it out there yeah. Someone I may have actually been Laura mentioned the fact that uh, getting non photographers to review some of the photographs, yeah, uh, which I thought was yep. quite an interesting idea. Yeah, a hundred percent because yeah. we want client, we want clients. That's what we keep saying. There's loads of us that are seem to be curating for other photographers, or you're in little pods with other photographers, and mm. we're putting images out there, and we're curating our feed as if we are doing an exhibition. And I suppose that's what we do as creatives. We want it to be beautiful, but how is it bringing in business? That's why when all these with clubhouse, with all the brands and stuff coming in and commercial people coming in that you're like, well, if that's where you want to take it, how can we get in touch with all those brand people? Or if we just want to start, you know, curating our feeds more for clients and Emma Lawson, another photographer that I do the room with was saying, yeah, how do, how do we get back to that? Like, how do we get back? Like Emma, we just literally said your name two seconds ago. how How do we create it for clients? How do you create your feed for clients to bring in business? Because in the end, all we do is want to bring in business and bring in money. I don't, I don't want to keep other photographers happy. I want to pay my bills. Yes, no, exactly, exactly. So that that first room then that you were talking about, this is the first time yeah. I've heard about it. So I have no idea what you're talking about. 
It was juicy. It was juicy. So the title was just "Why Are There So Many Ship Photographers on Clubhouse?" Uh-huh. And, and, and who and who started the room? What, what was, was it? it? Just a, a couple of guys. Just a, cu- a couple just of guys. A, right. Cool. Yeah. Just a couple. Quite of well guys. known. I, I Quite well known idea, on Clubhouse now. I guess that idea was just create a clickbait title and then yeah 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 that's it. Oh, but yeah. it, and it was brutal. And they ran under that um, persona for the whole room. But when it backfired, I mean, and they, they stayed in character the whole time. And there is a, quite a bit of arrogance there with them. But that's the, that's what they put out there. Um, but afterwards, they were in rooms, and I've been in a lot of rooms with them since. They just said, we did it for that very reason. We needed everyone to start talking about us. It happened. Everyone's come into our rooms, and they've made themselves quite a big um, following on Clubhouse because of that. And in the end, they want to push people to their business. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the most controversial thing that I've um I've been part on a clubhouse. The rest of it is obviously just me and Emma and some of the girls and boys in the room talking about smear tests and mammograms and vaginas. <laughs> Casual. Once you say it's a free flowing room, you've just got to literally let it go, haven't you? Yeah. Well, this section of the podcast, we quite often talk about what we've been doing recently. So on our clubhouse, we do a, a Tuesday sort of random open room as well that gets put up on Patreon for the patrons to listen to. Uh, and on the last episode we were talking about a shoot that Simon did for myself and Claire and as a thank you I got him a gift and he's wrote down in the notes here give Simon whiskey <laughs> so I don't know how he knows it's whiskey I don't, he's just guessing because it comes uh, in the same size Amazon give, box apparently I have to give him a gift right now <laughs> and I'm he in, thinks he knows what it is oh okay I maybe did assume but only because I I rattled it and it just sounds like alcohol did I not get something I'm, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, uh, sorry. No, this is just a thank you for the shoot that you did for me. Glenn <laughs> oh, right. Scotia double cast. Oh, oh. If anyone's interested on what the shoot was about, they'll have to listen to the Patreon. <laughs> oh my God! The just the just that conversation alone that we had, where Susan and I butcher an announcement, is hilarious. It's well worth the well worth the investment of a coffee per month just for that one conversation. <laughs> Well, Greg, thank you very much. That's lovely. You're welcome. I love, I love that whiskey. Feel free to keep it in the office and we'll just drink it here, though. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's actually really funny because I just finished my Glen Scotia in the house. So, lovely. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just going to do a Q&A reminder. Obviously, if you're not listening live and you're not a member of our Patreon, uh, you're missing out on some good Q&A section that we are recording. Of course, if you are listening live, thank you very much for joining us. And there is a Q&A section at the end. So if you have any questions or just want to say hello to Kelly, I'm sure she'd love to have some banter with you. Anyway, Craig, push that button. Kelly, who are you and what do you do? Oh, thanks. Is that it? That was a nice intro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my name, Kelly Quinn, and I specialise in motherhood and breastfeeding portraiture. Um, And during COVID, I started doing virtual sessions um, all over the world because I was bored. That's who I am. Yeah. How how long have you been in this photography game and what's your your journey been so far? How did you get started? Um, I started about five years ago. My son just turned seven and I met, um, I was looking for a photographer and I was scouring the interweb and couldn't find anybody that I liked. And then I stumbled upon a little person, literally 
called Emma Lawson and got in touch with her and I was like, oh, is there any way that you could come down to little old Troon for me? Um, and she arrived and she was heavily pregnant and I just had this tiny little baby. And we did amazing photographs and our ideas really gelled on on what we wanted to do. Emma had brought some stuff and I was like, what about this vibe? She was like, completely suits you know, your house and everything you looked. And we just talked about it and she'd said, I think you'd be really good at photography. And it was a weird little kind of serendipity, sliding doors thing that happened where I was like, it's hmm, a bit random. She said, "You did, just the way we were talking about stuff and the ideas and stuff, the way we, even just holding the baby and stuff like this, it was, um, she just sparked a curiosity in me to, to try it. But I didn't own any cameras or anything like that. So Emma did a camera course, literally looking at cameras and she had to bring one because I didn't have it. And about a year later, I bought it and just started shadowing her on some jobs to see if it's what I wanted to do. And it took it from there. So, yeah, I, I owe quite a lot to her, to be honest. Otherwise, I'd, I could just be signing on. <laughs> well, what, what, what was the camera? Emma brought down a Mark III. Ah, uh, okay. Brought down a little Mark III for me to play with and just worked the camera. And we went down to the beach and took some shots. And she was like, these are good. You should do them because my background comes from TV and and um, and music. So when I moved back to Troon from Australia, there was no way that I was going to do the same sort of stuff. It would have been maybe something like Tea in the Park, but in Australia, I'd heard that they were stopping it anyway. Um, so it was it was just one of those things. Everything I felt happened for a reason. The timing was perfect. We met at the right time, and she was just a really good mentor. Um, that kind of pushed me in the right direction and when I said I've got a feeling I want to do this style or this side she was like go for it there's nobody doing it in your area um, and I did it and I sent probably over about 5,000 images over the years just saying is this good is this good is this good and she was like yeah it's pretty good I think you should you should make a job of it Eve voila five years later here we go yes do you, do you do you shoot for Emma? Because I know obviously we, we've had her as a guest before to speak about you know expanding your business with uh, associates. So do you do you shoot for Emma on a, on the odd occasion? I used to. We're too far apart anymore. So mm. if she, I mean, and, she, and she's got an amazing crew around her. Um, but just the fact that we've got tiny little babies ourselves, I just I can't go that far afield now with um, with the little ones. So it's not been a couple of years that I've not shot for her. But if she moved her ass a wee bit further down to Glasgow or Ayrshire, I'd be in there like a, I'd be in there like a seagull in a hot chip. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you, 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 you are a mother. What's, what's your family situation like at the moment? Is it, um, hectic? Did you, did you struggle with, um, home, home learning and, and, and teaching your kids the, the ways of the world during COVID? Nah. Not really. I mean, I don't know if this is just, again, because I'm older um, and I've, we've just been through some really like hard shit as a family recently. We, we nursed my nan through dementia for five years. Um, my dad died really quickly of cancer, a really young guy last year. And through all of that, you know, when COVID hit, I was like, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, come yeah. on, let's let's have you. So when it was talking about, and I know that it's, it's not being dismissive to how hard it was for other people, but there was just a little bit of perspective in there that I was like, yeah, it's, I'm just, I'm reading some textbooks. So we just tried to be kind to ourselves at home and my kids are not ones for being photographed. So I could, you know, you wanted all these personal projects and photographing people at home and documenting your days. That's not my journey. And I think mm -hmm. just letting go a lot of that shit makes it a bit easier where you're just like, just keep them alive and, you know, yep. do your job and you're doing, you're doing good. So, mm -hmm. you know, I took some pressure off myself because 
to be honest. It's, you know, we're, we're just having to stay at home with our families and stay safe. It's not a crazy sacrifice compared to what some people have had to do, you know? Yeah. No, I, wasn't, I wasn't going off to war. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I like your photography room because quite often you chat about that and it would make me feel as you know, a parent a whole lot better about my situation. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it was know, hard having them so home so much. I think that was the thing. Yeah. It took away the fun element for it a lot because you were they were just there all the time. And I think that's where we, when we came together on Clubhouse and everybody was talking, we needed this space because otherwise you're sitting at home thinking if you didn't love them, like you could murder them, like not literally, but you're yeah. like, it's just loud. There was no peace. There was no time to be yourself. You were always either a parent or you were always working and you were stuck at home with your partner you know, there was no balance to anything. It was just very intense um, at all times. I think that's where the virtual photography thing really eased um, things for a lot of people because you could just be creative, but nobody was leaving the house. So to allow us to all, you know, see into each other's homes and still be creative and be comfortable and safe was amazing. Such an amazing project. Yeah. And we will get onto your virtual stuff a little bit later, but um yeah, let's yeah. let's talk about more of your approach. Yeah, so you were talking about how you went down to the beach with Emma, took your first photos, and she was like, these are good. So you obviously had kind of a natural eye for a good photograph. So yeah. what, what do you look for? What's your approach? Do you look for light, a moment, shapes, or anything else? I think for me, it was definitely the emotional side of stuff. That's why I struggled to find a photographer initially because I just didn't align with anything, any of the photographs I was seeing. It was very posed and um, it just didn't look very natural. And I kept thinking if, if a baby couldn't get into that position, then why would why would I want it to be photographed? And that's just that was just my own opinion. And mm-hmm. I tried to always explain it. And I said, I remember saying this to Emma. It was like, I can go out for a night out dressed quite, you know, Gwen Stefani. It's quite loud. It's quite garish. And people would say wow, that's an amazing dress, but they wouldn't wear it. I think that's the same with photography. There was stuff that I appreciated, but I didn't want it. I didn't want my baby and I certainly didn't want that art on my walls. So when I met Emma and we could collaborate a little bit on the style of stuff that I wanted for the session, it just um, it just felt kind of right. And the more I talked to her and she was just like, you know, what is it that you want? I was like, I need some emotion. You know, you want them to be held and rather than in a basket, why are the babies not being held by their parents or in their baby's mm. arms or the mothers are all really done up. Like that's not our journey. Like we don't look like that most of the time. And that's fine that some people want it, but there was a definite market where there was none of that natural photography where natural motherhood and something, you know, I loved Sally Mann, always loved Sally Mann's stuff. And it's not going that far fetched, but just something a little bit motherhood real, you know, a little bit more real. Yeah. Yeah. So how does, if at all, how does your approach change compared from a wedding to a creative portrait to a baby shoot? How, how does your sort of mindset approach change? Um, the wedding side of stuff, I go quite military, actually, to be honest. Like with the with the weddings, I think because there's a schedule and I can just go for it. With the family stuff, I just say to them, I'm trying to be an observer. And as much as you do that at weddings, I know there's stuff that you have to get. It's not like that with the families. And I want to see their individual personalities coming through a little bit more. And with the babies, it's trying to make them as relaxed as possible. And I think when you're going into people's homes, our mothers are feeling really vulnerable anyway because they've just had a baby and their hormones are dropping and, you know, they don't feel, some people don't feel that comfortable at their bodies. You want to make sure that they feel as comfortable as possible. So you're putting on a slightly different hat every time 
you do one. I think for weddings, I'm trying to make them feel super comfortable and super confident that I'm handling the day because you're almost a bit of an event organiser as well. You're keeping the timing, you're keeping the shit together, making sure you're getting certain shots. It's not yeah. like that with the families and the babies. You've just got to flow with it a little bit. And if you know with families, you've only got a tiny window before they start playing up because then the kids feel like they know you. Mm-hmm. So then they start yeah. being, we know, with being polite. But you you just got that, you've got a little window with them. And then the babies, yeah, you've just got to relax into it and try and get that um, connection with the mother out. Are they, when they're breastfeeding, are they hair pullers? Do they scratch their chest? And a lot of mothers will identify with that. Their little babies have got individual traits. So you're trying to work out what that is by letting the mother be as comfortable as possible. I was in a clubhouse room and they were talking about the length of like a family session or you mm. know sh- uh, the the length they use. Now, someone had suggested an hour, which um, I, I I actually thought, yeah, that that's a good amount of time. You know, it's short enough to not like overstay your welcome, but long enough so you can get enough content. But yeah. then someone else's someone else uh, kind of spotlighted the the notion that yes. An hour is actually quite a long time. Yeah. Like, and you might get a lot of images, but the quality of those images aren't going to be as good towards the end because kids or whatever it may be, they only have, a, a you know, you could maybe only get them for 20 minutes to be yeah. active and, and to, to, you know, to be able to take a good photograph of them. So, and I, w- I wish I could remember the, the photographer that suggested 20 minutes as a, as a session length. What's your, what's your thoughts to that? I mean, to be fair, it's like, how long is a piece of string? Because every family is completely different and it's not, yeah. I think that's what's hard. It's not prescriptive and it, de- it depends what kind of photographer you are. So my friends are studio photographers, have a set poses and a workflow. Mm-hmm. There's, there's lifestyle photographers and documentary photographers, anyone that does photojournalism, we can't have a workflow. You might have some ideas in your head of how you want to shoot but that has a lot to do with the light. So I had beautiful light that came into my kitchen last night that lasted 20 seconds. If I was ready and I'd got that shot, it would have been an absolute knockout picture, but I didn't. And the light was there for 20 seconds. So I think depending, you know, what's going on in the time and how the children are, some children just turn up and they're an absolute nightmare. And you'd be better just to call quits on it and try another day. Mm. So I, I try to read them. I think when I first started, I thought there was a format and now I just read it on the children because some of them will sit and pose and it's tender and the parents are calm and the other times they're running ragged and then you're not going to get nice photographs mm-hmm. unless maybe the parents' backs are turned. But you can tell if a child's face is relaxed or not and I certainly wouldn't want memories of that session because I think that's the energy. People come off sessions and go, oh my God, that was so hard. And you can almost feel that in the photographs. So yeah. you know, I, I just I kind of try to not go on a prescriptive method. I, I think an hour... By the time you turn up and you walk about and you say hi to them and look at the light and then you shoot and say goodbye and get back to your car, you probably are an hour all up, but I certainly wouldn't want to shoot for an hour. Yeah, I think... Unless it was yeah. amazing, obviously, and then I'd shoot for <laughs> five hours, but... Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, so so do you, would you schedule like an, an hour's worth and just hope that everyone's having a good time and you get more images? How, how do you market what kind of content that a client gets or a couple gets or a family gets? I say an hour session. I think I say 60 to 90 minutes. So it just gives them a little bit of leeway. Because I think if I say 60 to 90 minutes, they can arrive and change their shoes and give the kid a snack. But I always say, if you need to stop and feed or the little ones are upset, we are completely, I always say either baby led or family led because some of them just turn up, especially little boys. 
if they're just at school age, a lot of them are just like, you know, they pull the cheesy grin with a <laughs> face and the mother's like, stop doing that. Just smile nicely. And I kind of tried to say to them before the session, unless they're harming each other or they're going to hurt themselves, do not give them into trouble. Just leave them just today, just for an hour. Just don't <laughs> yeah. give them into trouble. If there's if they're doing anything that I think, let me say it because I'm the stranger. I'm the big, scary, blonde stranger. Well, not scary, but let me say it and I will try and bring them round because as soon as the parents give them into trouble, the vibe's lost. And then they're like, huh, I don't want to. And then you're buggered anyway. So, yeah, I think you're prepping the parents, if anything. is like, just you chill and let me do this. Yeah. And I think scheduling-wise, it's kind of like you you would want to schedule about an hour at least because scheduling 20 minutes means you have to turn up and shoot. Whereas yeah, many it's sessions. like at a wedding, when you turn up at preps, you want to just break into the room and chat to people, not start shooting straight away. You yeah. want to just kind of ease in and let people know that you're a friendly face and a friendly person mm-hmm. before getting into the shooting. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. How many, so I, I guess my next question would be, and from the point of view of, of, of the people who are paying, you know, they're, they're not just paying for the time, they're paying for a set of images. So I guess, I guess you get asked a lot, how many, how, how, how many images am I, am, am I going to get in my gallery? And, yeah, and, and does a- that vary? And then how do you, you know, tell them that, okay, well, if we're, if we're having a good session, you'll get X amount. And if it's, you know, if, if you need to stop and feed or whatever, you're, you know, the amount of images are going to get reduced. Is that ever an issue? Uh, no, I don't sell it. I don't sell it that so much that way, but what I have done is completely changed my pricing um, and the way that I sell packages just through lockdown um, and rejigged it on my website. Because beforehand, again, this is a very personal subject matter, but mm. um, I think, on general, we deliver too many images. There's just, there's sometimes things are just overwhelming, even for weddings, like six, 700, 800 guys, it's just huge, like <laughs> absolutely huge. And, and, you know, I know people obviously deliver in the thousands and that's completely their personal taste. But when yeah. I sit down and look at what I like and what I think my clients would like, I would prefer to give a smaller amount that they all meant something. So some of the, one of the packages now is five images, and this is kind of maybe more based on what studio photographers would do, even though that's not what I do. But I would rather that they had five beautiful images that were framed or up on their wall or, you know, something, a big piece of art was made from it. And then you can go up to 20 images or all images, but that would be no more than 40. Because even yeah. 40 images in a book, that's a lot of images to look mm. through. And even when I've done the session that I did with Emma, I've done two sessions with her. And I love all the images. I still only have six, five or six printed on my walls one of the sessions I put into a book and that's 20 images of my favourites. So I think the more we give, it almost dilutes the ones that we have given because there's some amazing ones in there. But a lot of the time we give five shots that look quite similar. There's no need for that. Just get rid of the four, (laughs) give the best one. Yeah. That, that's actually fascinating because you know as filmmakers we, we don't we don't deal with that kind of specifically but we do have our own version and it was like a few years ago you know when you know we'd still get clients going oh can we get the you know can we get like a three-hour film I'm like what three three hours like wow like so, that, avatar. You, so you're <laughs> you're just you're just wanting everything that we shoot instead of something that is tightly woven into like 15 minutes that actually takes you on an emotional journey. You know, it's more just, oh, I want everything that's documented rather than, and I suppose that's just a completely different product that you'd be making, but yeah. 
you know. And there's it actually takes more work and effort to make the 15 minute film because you're <laughs> having to be strict and really curate yeah. that story. Yeah. And same with photography, you're having to cull those images all the way down to two or three yeah. rather than just being like, oh, these 20 are okay. It's harder to be like, no, these two are amazing. That's what you're getting. Yeah. yeah, and I, I would actually love to hear if anyone's in the audience in the audience, you know, during the Q and A section, if they struggle culling their photographs and any techniques that they get by, or do they just give in? I know like, someone oh. that is. Oh, yeah. Someone in the audience that already is, but he'll know who's who I'm speaking about. The, the <laughs> king, of, the king of canton culling. So oh, I, would, oh goodness, I would, okay. I would love to know. Um, I would love to know what people think about that because it's taken me four or five years mm. to be able to look at stuff now really subjectively and just go, do you know what? Like that, they, those five images are so lovely, but really that one is better. Like that one mm. is a little bit better than the other ones. And to give it to them, cause I feel like it's, we're trying to give a, you know, for me anyway, I know it's not for everyone, but it's like a bespoke product. Uh-huh. And for a bespoke product, I don't want to give you five dresses that all look kind of the same. There is one that will look better. And mm-hmm. this is the one that I think would look better for you. So I'm trying to kind of give that service now where with one of the images of only one of the packages only comes with five images. Those five images are going to knock your socks off and they're going to be beautiful, big, you know, 16 by 1 million, whatever images, um, because yeah. I want you to see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And obviously if you do have any sort of mentions or comments about Cullen, we'll get to the Q&A section at the end once we've sort of covered the podcast topic stuff yes i see someone's hands up in the audience we will we will get to you during the q a section i do apologize please stick around but this is this time is only for our guest <laughs> um kelly i actually i mean i love your work and that is whether it's your children which it's funny because greg's obviously because so i written bairns because that's obviously what you call them on your website greg's changed it to children for our international listeners Mm-hmm. Whether it's your children, your motherhood, or your family sessions, I really do think, and you've mentioned this. Obviously, it's it's that raw and those honest moments that you capture that draws me to them. How would you actually get people to open up and and feel comfortable with you? You know, when you pull up the camera and 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 start creating something that's so vulnerable. Um, that's not, and it's not easy. Um, mm. it's, it's not an easy thing to do because like I say, in a lot of the time, this is at a really vulnerable stage of women's lives. But I think the more images that I put out there like that, um, and I knew I wanted to do something a little bit more raw. I wanted to do something a little bit more emotive. And, you know, if you are choosing, not that all mothers choose to breastfeed. So a lot of the time, you know, this is, this is another quite controversial thing because people will see all the breastfeeding photographs and think that I'm against bottle feeding. I can't be fed both my children. But if it's a choice between a baby breastfeeding or a baby on its own or a baby with a bottle in its mouth, I will always take the bottle out of the photograph. I'd rather just have the baby. So I'm definitely uh-huh. not anti-bottle feeding. I just don't want a bottle, a plastic or a glass bottle in a photo. Um, so the more images I shared like that, the more people felt comfortable. And I think there was a couple of people that booked some sessions and then I would put something up with a little bit more skin or a little bit more vulnerability or that soft kind of baby belly that mothers have afterwards. And the postpartum stuff, everybody goes through on some degree. So the more I shared, more people and actually other mothers that came back and said, you know what, I wouldn't wouldn't mind having more photographs like that. I wouldn't mind a little bit more vulnerability. I wouldn't mind if I had some images like that. And I think that's when people started to come out their shell because if you show it, they will come. But if no one mm-hmm. sees it, 
then you just think, well, I can't. I'll have to cover myself up because that's what you do. And I've got to wear a beautiful dress and be by the sea and have a sunset behind me. It doesn't need to be like that because that's yeah. very rarely what motherhood's like. I don't know <laughs> about <laughs> many people, but I certainly wasn't sashaying around the sea in a beautiful dress. I was lying at home, like we said, like those Renaissance paintings, just naked with your boobs out, fat on a sofa. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what it's like. So definitely mm. the more I showed it, and I did a model call um, I think it was 2019 and I got five mums to come to the studio, girls that I knew and I just said I would give them some prints and I thought so I had all this content to put out on Facebook and Instagram, just what I wanted and it was rawer than any of the other stuff because you couldn't maybe just you know, try stuff out on paid clients as much. So I did the model call with the five images and because of those five images I booked you know 25 jobs off it so mm-hmm. it was it was definitely um one of the best things that I've done for my business is shoot what I wanted on my own dime and use those images for marketing and um and they came yeah, yeah. well talk well talk to us about that kind of notion of uh show it and they will come because I know you had some social media censorship of your content issues uh in the kind of near distant Near distant, near distant past. Every day, every day, yeah. So tell tell us about your most recent troubles with social media. And I mean, it's every it's content. every week. Yeah, it's every. Is week. it really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's getting to the point now that they censor. Even if there's like, say, <clears throat> people that are t- but kids that are touching noses, it, I think they're getting taken down because I think Instagram must think it's nipples. So it's an absolute. Yes. Um, yeah, it's an absolute joke. So I'd probably say every week one or two images and at some point four or five images a week was getting taken down and it was so exhausting because Instagram have removed the functionality of being able to um you know fight your cause there used to be a kind of like do you want to what's the word not report it do you want to contest yeah click contest that wasn't the exact word but there was like something like it that you could just press a button and just say well no it's not a nipple actually it's a thumb uh, and they've removed that. So when they take your images down, your images have gone. And you've, you know, you've shot that image and you've lit it beautifully and you've edited it beautifully. And I do censor stuff on Instagram. I don't put boobs out there, you know, to get traction. I don't use, you know, hashtags to get people to look at my feed just because they're boobs. These are feeding mothers. It's the yeah. only reason I have them stuck to my chest. There is no other reason that they're on my body. It's not for bikinis. It's not for porn. It's not for it's not for men. It's for feeding my children. Only reason I've got them. Whether you choose to use them for that or not. That's the only reason that they're there. So for mm. them to be censored and taken down on Instagram in this day and age is an abomination. You know, like there should be, yeah. there has to be some sort of level. I get with the censorship, then if it's censorship, then we should all censor. Like like mm-hmm. almost like the black bands, you know, from the old magazines, like the, the editorial magazines, like two black strips that go through <laughs> them. If yeah. that's what you tell us and tell us the guidelines and we'll do it, but to, to work on your work that much and then it be taken down, it's just a waste of time. And I yeah. think for Instagram, it's a lot of people's portfolios. It's how we get work. So we do try to curate them. And you spend so much time thinking of captions and hashtags and putting them out there and sharing them. And you get sometimes loads of likes and it gets taken down no matter how much you try to be professional. It is disheartening. I actually put a poll out there um, and I asked, do you think society has an issue with displays of breastfeeding and motherhood? And 89% said yes. 11% said no. Which uh, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I loved, uh, you, you know Kat from uh, Finn Fulcra? Yes. Um, she wrote uh, a really nice answer. 
and it needs to get the fuck over it. In my humble opinion, the patriarchal society has led to women's bodies being hypersexualized, meaning anything else, such as breastfeeding, is seen as taboo and inappropriate and not something you should do in public as much as possible, etc., etc. Utter patriarchal BS in the highest order. I suppose you would agree. <laughs> yeah. And we've tried, mm. we've discussed this on so many levels to w- wondering whether it is something else that we're missing. Like, like I said, yeah. I'm not being on my high horse because I breastfed some of my children because I bottle fed them and they stopped breastfeeding early. It's, it's got mm-hmm. nothing to do with this. We just want to know the reasoning behind it. So yes, there's bots and they'll scan Instagram and there's still people that go through it. Um, and there are people that report you as well. So it's quite a lost cause in terms of how you fight it because it's just a faceless you know, entity that we, we don't have any body or a department or an email that you can contact to, you know, to ask for help on it. So I think when you can't fight something, that's where we all feel a bit helpless because even just in the audience, the speakers section, there's amazing maternity photographers and motherhood photographers whose work are taken down all the time. So like yeah. short of putting a placard on and walking around the streets, ringing a bell to market your business, <laughs> you know, Instagram <laughs> and Facebook is what we use. So It's hard because it feels that people are controlling your business. And I get some people didn't breastfeed and that would upset them. Or some people can't or haven't had children and that could upset them. You get that, but you could breeze over it. You're probably not going to be following a breastfeeding photographer. I'm not offended by something that I can't do, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. some people are. But to the level that the images are taken down on on so many different people's pages, this is an institution thing. You know, this is a... Um, this is something that's a bit bigger and we've tried to work out is it better that we try to start a movement do we try to take this further and make it bigger than you know all of us but they tried to, to do the free the nipple movement it doesn't get anywhere because the places that we're trying to advertise it on are the ones that are controlling it anyway so no one sees the bloody movement you know <laughs> god yeah so apart, apart from the placard and the bell again <laughs> yeah is there anything that is happening right now to battle against the censorship or that that you can do if someone's posting those sort of images and they're getting taken down is there anything they can do to battle against that not really this is we've no. been discussing this the last couple of weeks about trying to start a movement on a bigger level with more of a um, kind of national press and print focus whether it's something that needs to be um fed out but again it doesn't matter whether we did this because the channels like instagram or facebook aren't showing it. So there are other platforms that you can like web gallery stuff that you can go on, like remember like Smug Mug and all these big galleries that allow you to put whatever images you want up. And obviously you can put them on your own site, but it's getting people to your site and people still do that through your social media channels. So I'm also wondering, um, does you're obviously, you're talking about social media, but does having these images, does Google do like, does that sort of discount your website because of the content of it? Are they censoring as much as the social media forms? Not on their website. The websites seem okay, but when they when you try to put something, say, in Google your business for SEO, that's when it can cause yeah. problems. So if I put anything on my Google My Business page or any mother shared it, it says post removed for indecent content or sexual yeah. activity is the two favourites. <sighs> so they don't sort of knock they don't knock down your SEO score because of the content of the website at all? I don't think so, no. I've had mine checked quite a few times and it seems okay. So I think, again, if you're going on your site and you're clicking in, then you know what you're getting. You know, it yeah. says it on my site. So and the big main image is a, is a pair of boobs. So 
if you know if you don't want to go in, then don't go in. But no, I, I don't think it affects it as much on your site. But I yeah. love that question, so I'm writing it down as we're talking. <laughs> Must yeah. check SEO guess, score say, again. The the problem is getting people to your website yeah. from the social media channels. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So yeah. any if anyone's got any ideas, again, send them on a postcard too, or at the Q and A section. If anyone's got any ideas on that, or wants to be part of it because I know there's a couple of people in the speakers part that are interested in being part of this as well so it's how we go about it because again there's just no point just talking about it and not doing something about it we need to do this because this is our work this is what brings money into my house so I'm not going to sit back because it's not an unjust thing that I'm fighting for especially Mm -hmm. with everything that's going on this is women we're trying to get as back to nature as possible and stop all this commercial shit that's like fingered into our heads that mothers need and we must have this and we must have that and you must have this device and something that heats your nappy wipes you're like uh, your bum wipes like what take things back to how it was and just let mothers feed but unless you put those images out there and try to promote it it's never going to happen do you have i mean obviously you deal with this quite a lot do you have any solutions that you've kind of found that work for you um, for Instagram specifically, yes, recently, um, you obviously better to follow all censorship guidelines. So I do pixelate all images of breasts unless the baby is attached to the breast. That's just a no brainer. Okay. Um, yeah. When you're writing your hashtags, better to keep them as a five, keep it small if you can. And okay. when you're going in to write your hashtags, you can actually put the hashtag in the top of Instagram and it will come up whether it's banned or not. So if you Mm -hmm. put in hashtag free the nipple movement, which was huge, and everybody still tags it, it will say underneath it in small letters that it's a banned hashtag. But if you put in the free the movement, free the nipple movement, that one's allowed. So Mm -hmm. you have to be a little bit more conscious of the hashtags that you're using. Go in and have a clear out of all the ones that you've had, all the shitty ones before. Um, And you just have to to keep on top of it a wee bit more, unfortunately. A breast, how offensive. I know that's mind-numbing, isn't it? Having to actually do that. It's just a little bit ridiculous. What uh, good resources do you know that will allow people to check out whether a hashtag's banned? For me, it's just been on Instagram itself. Everything else, I don't feel like it's kept up. So I tend to plan on my desktop. So I've got my Instagram open on my desktop and and just put the hashtags in. And I have to do them for every post. But I think the more SEO rooms that I've been in on Clubhouse, which have been amazing was saying just keep them to the five and some of the really big photographers have just kept their five favorite hashtags they maybe change them just a couple if things have got Mm -hmm. banned like free the nipple movement or whatever um but they just keep it really small it means you can keep on top of and if you're getting flagged for something which could be because of a hashtag at least you can control it yeah rather than having 30 yeah okay good tips um, this is a Q&A reminder there will be a Q&A section at the end of this podcast so keep listening thank you very much if you are joining us live really do appreciate it um, obviously if you have any questions you can ask Kelly at the Q&A section if you're not supporting us on Patreon um, Patreon I should say uh, we've actually just launched our Patreon which is a monthly membership so you can support Greg and I to create this amazing podcast and it gets you access to all the Q&A sections all the Clubhouse stuff that we do we record we archive it um so yeah it's also a great way to get in contact with us just um you know if you want to chat it's a little bit more uh, direct so yes we would appreciate your support and you can do that at patreon.com forward slash perspective by cinemate yeah greg let's hit that ad for ashley 
With Jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives. Whether you provide a service like design, development or photography or offer advice to clients, With Jack is for you. It's focused on creatives. Insurance shouldn't be complicated, so With Jack has made every step easy. You'll deal with one form and talk to one Jack as you sign up, get covered and move on with your day. With Jack is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms are fast, it means less. It's not about endless features and stale service. It's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye bye, unnecessary fuss. Hello, creative friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. And we're back. Yeah, so I want I, I want to um, move on to your uh, virtual sessions, Kelly, because I find virtual sessions are just bloody fantastic. If I'm honest, what a, what a great I don't want to say invention, but what a creative outlet for um, for people who are stuck in the house who can't get out. And um, I, I do not think it's gonna go away anytime soon. Um, so yeah, why 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 did you decide to extend to virtual sessions? To, just to save your soul, basically. Um, I had to do, <laughs> I had to do, so, I had to do something from rocking back on forward on the sofa yeah. because I definitely wasn't going to be taking up knitting mm-hmm. because it would get ripped with the children. I wasn't going to be able to paint. I certainly wasn't going to be able to take long baths. Um, and I was getting a little bit, you know, I was, I lost two and a half stone just walking like miles, like every day with my children. Like mm-hmm. I'm over walking. So when the the virtual stuff, um, I remember seeing something about a FaceTime session and it was an American photographer and I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. And I, and I started doing a couple. I'm thinking I'm like super original because that's what everyone does when they think that um, you're onto something early. I had something like that recently with Emma, which is hilarious. You always think like you're like the first and then there's someone else doing the first on their own schedule as well. So with the FaceTime <laughs> stuff, I didn't think anybody else was really doing it. So I was shoot away yeah. and then like I looked at some hashtags and we were like, oh shit, God, there's quite a few people doing it. And then there was people in the UK that were doing it. And there was one guy, Tim, who'd just done like yeah. hundreds of them. I was <laughs> like, God damn it. God yeah. damn not being original. Um, but it kicked off. Face it was hard because the pictures were really grainy and you know, a couple of ones that I took were lovely because you didn't know any better. And then mm-hmm. the more that the app developed and there was two apps that came out and they, they just were such good quality. I was adding grain to them because I'm like, no, you're too sharp. God damn you, virtual <laughs> app. Like adding as much grain as I could. Yeah. Um, and you thought, God, this is actually a really good way for people to feel comfortable in their own homes. I felt people would, like some of the sessions started like totally naked. Like where people were like, hey, where are we going? And because you're you're setting the camera up normally just on not a tripod, but just on a table normally, and you strap the phone to something. When they have to get up to sort the camera, like move it forward or backwards, it was like full Lady Garden coming at the, you know, the screen because it was at waist level. So I spent the first few months just literally staring at people's naked nether regions. It was, it was wild. I was like, where has my photography gone? Never took any images, obviously, at that angle, disclaimer. Uh-huh, yep. But... Whew, that could have been a whole series of images in itself. That could have been an exhibition, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, so yeah, it kicked off. It just kicked off, and I think the more people did it, there was still babies being born, you know. Like, and I wrote that on my website, and birthdays being celebrated, and families having events, and it allowed them to be photographed and documented. And I think documenting your days through this was even more important because mm-hmm. we all felt a bit 
exhausted and flat and people were putting on loads of weight and you're just like, we just need something to look forward to. And you're still spending this maybe, hopefully, once in a lifetime with your family at home, you know? And even if you weren't at home with anybody, even on your own, you're just like, this is a once in a lifetime thing. So let's be creative. I had loads of girls that lived on their own that were just like, I just want to do it for me. Let's just have a couple of gins and take some photos. Yeah. yeah. And we did. You're saying that people are sort of starting the shoot already sort of bearing all and ready to take those raw images. But mm-hmm. And because you've shown that sort of work, these clients are booking you for that. But do you still have people who start the shoot a bit shy and you need to break through and get to that yeah. raw part? Like, do you have any techniques and was it different doing that over the sort of virtual sessions as opposed to being in-house? Yeah, because there was sometimes a bit of a delay. I mean, you're completely dependent on technology. So a lot of the time people can hear you because we have good setups, you know, and I'm hardwired and my signal's good and I've got the right ear pods and you're talking away to them and they start talking. It's like, uh, 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 uh. I'm like, <laughs> ah, what? what? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes people are juggling multiple babies or children and the dogs jumped in and they're all settled and like the camera's out of focus, not out of focus, but it's at a bad angle and you're trying to say to them, could you, you know, could you just shuffle over a little bit? And they're like, what? What was that? Sorry, what? <laughs> I was like, just, uh, it's okay. It's fine. I'll just take it here. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it can be when it doesn't go right. Um, you know, and, and Jeremy that's in the audience, he um, does virtual sessions and we, we would speak after sessions and just say, you know, how did yours go? When I think when they go wrong virtually mm. or things aren't going right, they can they can kind of go really wrong because you just can't pull it back. You're not there to help with the baby. And I, and I said this to Emma Lawson, obviously, who's in the, the womanhood group with me. We agreed the same. You can't settle them. You can't help the mum. You can't, you know, go and just say like, you you sort yourself out for a second. I'll take the baby and settle them or I'll change them and you do. You can't do that. So you're just there talking through a phone going, turn to the camera a little bit more so I get a little bit more light in your face. It's just, it can be a wee bit awkward. So you've got to yeah. be even more lighthearted mm-hmm. and even more jovial with them to make them feel comfortable, you know? Yeah. Did I hear as well that you had it, I mean, I don't want to say bad sessions, but a few, sh- a few sessions that were a little bit difficult and it kind of took the wind out of you a little bit. Is that yeah. something you oh, can yeah. talk about? Because obviously I know that a lot of people are getting into virtual sessions and might feel the same way. Yeah. Oh, God, no. I think it needs to be talked about because mm. you, you have a couple. Of, I think if you do it and it goes amazing, you're absolutely buzzing because you're yeah. like, this is the best like invention ever. And everybody that we were talking to that was doing them, and it was going well, you're like, oh my God, like I'm never going to leave my house again. And like, I'm never coming out of my pajamas. And next time I'm going to shoot in the bath. And, you know, you it's just so practical. But when it goes bad, and I had three back to back, and it was just unsettled babies, one that's had just had their jags. Mm. Um, and then just a family where the little one just wanted to keep grabbing the phone. And because he was mobile and he could get up and he could do it, when he got the phone, he, he just launched it. So the connection was going all the time and the mother was getting frustrated and she sees the images that I put up of other mothers and it's all very ethereal I'm like we took hundreds of pictures to get that one image like don't judge yourself by that at all this is all smoke and mirrors love like you know it was crazy so don't put any pressure on yourself and I always say we get normally get the shots normally get the shots in the last five minutes so don't stress yourself out Kelly are you there back yeah. Oh, yeah. We, Sorry. We lost, we lost signal there. So I'd, we didn't hear what you said. I'm, not, I'm sure the audience maybe still heard you because it, <laughs> oh, no. it was our signal that went down. But 
Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Emma said she heard it. So yeah, it's you guys. Bow bow. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Well, we didn't hear what you said. I, I'm sure it was marvelous. Oh, it was my uh, most riveting bit yet. <laughs> and I'm sure we would have had a great follow-up question to that exact. Answer. Oh, it would have been yeah. Great. It would have been the, it would have been our pivotal moment. I I can't wait to edit this episode just to find out what you said. <laughs> okay, so you know, G- Greg and I are filmmakers, obviously. Um, and, and in fact, I I, and I don't know if you know this, Greg, but I've been. In, you know, the Shutter app has been messaging me about video features and how to make the videoing side of the virtual sessions something. So that could be cool. But obviously, and, and in fact, you've had a session with Nikki. Mm-hmm. So you'll know the process, but I don't. Um, Kelly, can you run me through a, a, a whole session? Sure can. Yeah, um so normally when they book you, I send, I normally try to speak to them on Messenger because I feel like it's a little bit more friendly than email already. So I get, we get a bit of banter on Messenger and I send them through four little paragraphs and it just says, please download the Shutter app because that's my chosen preferred app, which means I'm working on my desktop and they're working on their phone. And then it says, please make sure that you've got memory space on your phone available, four gigs, ideally. And then the next one I says, please get a tin of beans and a hairband because you're going to strap your phone to it. No need for a tripod because they can be wonky. If yep. you have someone to help you, then great. But if not, it's not essential. But we can get nice angles if you're a partner or someone's there to help you. Mm. Um, and then at the bottom, let me know if you've got any children or pets and props and changes of outfit are welcome. And that is it. So they download the Shutter app and it gives them a code, which they then send to me and I plug the code in on my desktop and it comes up on their screen. Um, I'm on their phone. We're shooting on the back camera, obviously the good quality camera, but Shutter app has now developed a little video function where you hit the button and Mm. the client can see my face just to say hi. They can turn the phone around and we can talk to each other beforehand and then I turn the video off. They strap the phone to the tin of beans with the back camera facing them and I just take the pictures. Um, you can either upload them during the session, but you can see them on the right-hand side loading as you go. Um, and on the left-hand side, you've got this amazing function settings where you can control the focus and you control exposure and it's got a lovely grid on it. Um, and it's got all those amazing things and having a video would be even more amazing. So that's yeah. quite exciting that you just said yeah. that. Yeah, no, it would be cool. Uh, I'd be very interested to see. I, I have obviously seen a few, like, what what I call motion videos. Like, it's kind of like just someone moving, but it's, you know, no, nothing nothing with a story or nothing, you know, too deep in, in, in video. So I do wonder if that's able to be possible. But obviously no one's ever done it, so yeah. we'll see. I mean, the the, the connection for, for film, for video, uh, for photos can be hard. I mean, it might just be because of where we are in Scotland. We've got <laughs> old houses and big yep. walls. And I've been trying to shoot um, a Highlands campaign, which I would love to do with all breastfeeding mothers up in the Highlands. Cool. And I was shooting today and the images were coming through. And I think I had to s- stop the session at about 600 images just because the little one was getting really unsettled and needed to sleep and I needed to give mum the break to go and settle her. (laughs) And only 287 pictures came through. So that's something Sveta's looking into that um, for me. But Mm -hmm. again, this is technology and things are new and it's going to go wrong. So 
even when that's just the photographs and that's the file size for photographs, I don't know how video would function. That's like a whole other world on it when you think of the size, especially with audio. Yeah. Um, I've got no idea how yeah. that could happen over the app, but if anyone's going to make it happen, it will be them. So fingers yeah. crossed. I guess um, with this sort of files, does it depend on what phone people have got on whether you can shoot raw or is it all um, JPEG? Well, Huawei doesn't do RAW. Um, it's only iPhone that does, or and some Androids do, but the Huawei ones don't. Some of the Huawei ones don't, and the iPhone does. Um, and you can upgrade to get the RAW functionality, which I have on um, Shutter. So, but the JPEGs themselves are fine. The only reason that I take the RAWs through is because I like to turn people into religious paintings and I can do a bit of Photoshop work on it. So if you're <laughs> going to turn someone into a big painting, you know, having RAWs is good, but yeah. not necessary for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of your portraits have sort of a, a nice textured quality to them. Is that mm-hmm. something that you're doing sort of post-production then? Yeah, that's a canvas that I put mm-hmm. over it. So I just, I found um, old, yeah, old my old master's canvas um, overlays and I just put them on at a really low opacity to give it that. So that's why when the virtual <laughs> images are so sharp, you're just like, God damn, you're not yeah. old enough. Come on. <laughs> Take that clarity slider down and put an overlay on it. Mm. Are, you, are you editing on on your phone or or do you just move them into your computer and do it there? I'm assuming... Everything, everything's on your computer because it's desktop. Shutter's a desktop application. Ah, right. Oh, Okay. That's cool. I know. So I just I just sit at my desk like I'm working away. It's not FaceTime. I don't even touch my phone. Yeah. Which is amazing because mm-hmm. it really saves your eyes. I know some people do like using um, Kloss because they can walk around, which is the other virtual app. They like to walk yep. around with their phone, but no. that's Yeah. So you obviously mentioned the two apps. What's the, what, have you used both and, and what are the main differences for people kind of deciding between the two? Yeah. So Kloss, which is just C-L-O-S. Mm-hmm. Um, is a phone based one so you can you can just walk you can walk around with your phone and you're not tethered to your computer uh-huh. and it also has video function at the moment um, shutter is a desktop app and it has functionalities where you can you know you obviously you can control the exposure etc on this on this desktop which is just to me an absolute lifesaver it mm. doesn't have the video and you're obviously you're sitting at your computer so but for me it's shutters um, the winner right now yeah. Is there any sort of quirks that you've found out that would be useful for people? Like I know with a Kloss app that the client has to keep the app open for a few minutes after the shoot for the files to finish uploading. Is there yeah. any other quirks that you've came across? It's the same. It's the same with the one. Um, Android sends straight for download and iPhone will only um, download when the app is open. So say if someone even gets a call afterwards. So I'll say, look, I'm going to end the session now. The video and audio function are completely off. I'm I'm not in contact with you anymore. But if you could keep the app open and running until the photographs come through, um, I'll just send you an email to let you know. But with Shutter, you can see all the images on your desktop already. So you know they're coming through. It's just Mm -hmm. the connection between the two of you waiting for the images to download. So for me, that's a little bit of a comfort that I can see the images. Every time I take a picture, it's on my desktop and I can see it in the gallery next to me. That's just one of those things. You like a little bit of backup to know your images, you know, your, your images are taken. So yeah. that's um, that's the, the, the key. That's the hands down one for me. So I just mm-hmm. say to him, keep it open until it's finished and I'll send you a little message when it's done. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. So when you do a session in someone's house, one, how many images are you wanting to get from a session? And two... Are you going through their houses 
doing a number of different locations or like what's your process in terms of like finding a spot to take an image at? Um, yeah, I do the same virtual and in-house where you walk around and you're just trying to find the best bits of light. I think what I'm, do- I'm going to do moving forward when I can get into people's houses is talk to them a little bit more before the session to find out when the light hits Mm and people's houses better so I took a couple of pictures in my house of when I had lovely shafts of light coming through into my bedroom and the way that it fell it's not important to have that but you know if the light's coming in at those places that it's going to be bright elsewhere so I send them a couple of pictures like that and people always go oh all right okay right I know what I'm looking for now and then they take a couple of pictures and go would this work so there's no point me saying like I'm going to do all my sessions at 10 o'clock or 10 30 because there was a girl that sent it through saying I live in a miner's cottage I, I don't get any light. The only light I get is at, at 6 till 6.30 and then it's gone when my baby wakes up in my bedroom. And I was like, okay, let's let's do it. And I phoned her and the light came up behind all these other houses and lit her bedroom and she sat in the most glorious light and we had <laughs> 30 minutes and it was gone. Hmm. So you've just got to, I think you've just got to work with the light. I know that's not what everybody does and we've got school runs and things to do, but for me, I, I just I want to get the best light. To be honest, so I'll yeah. do whatever it takes. And how many how many how many images did you supply for that? I took about nine hundred images. Whoa! Okay. And I del- I know took about nine hundred between probably a session. I would say I take between five hundred and a thousand. Mm-hmm. And um, the full gallery, if they wanted to buy it, would maybe have forty images. Okay. Or ten, and then I hone it down to the top five. Yeah, and 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 do you say uh, you can get? You can get your first three downloadable free and then you have to buy yeah. the rest. Is that? Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. And people are booking that. I mean, I've got three, 10 or all. Um, and a lot of people have booked all with the virtual stuff just because it's such a good price point. And yeah. with that, they get a little gift. So I'm going to post tonight. I think it's seven o'clock mm-hmm. and it's a gift from the session just because I think because it's on our phone and it can do that. I think it's quite nice just to give them that teeny little teeny little video snippy thing yeah. just for a little bit of movement as a memory mm-hmm. of the energy from the session uh-huh. um That's and cool. with the in-home sessions i would probably say i'm going to try and get down to the same i don't want to deliver a gallery with any more than 40 images in it mm-hmm. and i so, probably shoot about 1100 in people's houses <laughs> oh my goodness oh my i know <laughs> culling with my eyes burning out my head <laughs> yeah but that's because there's babies and there's children so you know i either yeah. take all those images and find them and if i don't and i haven't shot as many sometimes you might end up head swapping because you could you know you've got a baby and four children and the dog or whatever someone's screwing their face up if i just kind of tap quite a lot in the nice paid and you're in a nice place and the nice setup i'm probably mm-hmm. going to get all their faces relaxed and nice at the same time otherwise it's going to get a wee bit more technical afterwards so multiple people multiple shots i'd rather just cover all my bases Uh and typically when you do a virtual session and you've selected the best light are you are you just in the one location and and you're just taking your 900 photographs right there no or are you going okay you know what I, i i have like 50 in this location let's find another place and we'll try something different yeah, you try for, I mean, three locations would be ideal, I say to them. Um, bit of clothes on, bit of clothes off, maybe naked, if you're up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my that would be my wardrobe choice, naked being one of them. Um, <laughs> and we just say to them to have a nice, a nice little bit of light. It's nice to get them to lie down because some of the other virtual photographers, and, you know, there's another two in the room, um, 
they have incredible ones because they they always ask the partner or the person to have a person holding the phone so you can get lovely uh-huh. above shots and different angles uh-huh. i it doesn't work as well for me it works amazing for them and i i'm very jealous of it but it doesn't mm-hmm. work as well for me i found them a little bit more blurred um but theirs are sharp as shit and i don't know how they do it so i'm a wee bit jealous <laughs> yeah so i take it with this being so, so new i take it your post-production workflow had to be tweaked a wee bit to work with these files and like did your coloring process or presets have you had to tweak them to work with the jpegs yeah not too bad i mean i got the raw functionality quite early on which was good um they come through even when i auto focus it on the when i auto exposure it on my desktop when i'm shooting they look perfect and then i download the raws and they look quite overexposed so i'm still trying to work that out and i'm, I'm working with the developers on how to what I'm shooting is what I'm going to get. But obviously it's a raw file, so it doesn't really matter. I can just pull the exposure down. I'd say they probably come out a little bit orange, but again, tiny little, tiny little tweaks. It's not been as difficult as I thought. It was on FaceTime hmm. just because of the quality, but definitely not on not on this app. This app's, it's like a camera, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know what, actually, whenever I've been out just wandering about and I've got the iPhone, is it 12 just now or 11? Wherever, yeah, wherever the new one that is. That looks like 12. Uh, and it's got the raw capability. But whenever I've turned on, by default, they always are really overexposed. And as you say, you can yeah. fix that in sort of Lightroom. But I found it strange. Like, I need to be conscious yeah. of pulling the exposure down before I take the shot or just fixing it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never yeah. I've never noticed that. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So quite often it's just default to, like from a walking about and just taking random sort of shots day to day. Mm. I just leave it on jpeg because it's like the hdr jpegs on the iphone are pretty damn good yeah I know. yeah am i really going to pull this ladybird on a stump into you know lightroom and edit it in a yeah. row nah <laughs> I'll just keep you jpeg <laughs> Do you know what i mean yeah. picture of my coffee for instagram I'll just keep it as a jpeg yeah. <laughs> um, so how long does it normally take you to edit I'm not too bad now. Yeah. I used to be terrible, but I also, there was no guilt in that because Emma um, Lawson, who I was saying, I obviously I started with and mentored with, um, was super fast for things. Mm. And even Neil Thomas Douglas, another Scottish wedding photographer, yeah. he was like rapid. And it was like, the people were talking about in hours and I was still talking yeah. days. Yeah. And then I took the pressure off it and I was like, do you know what? Tomatoes, tomatoes. They're going to get the album. It doesn't matter when you get the gallery. It's not a big dick contest that's you know they can edit fast i can't do that yeah so I, i'm not going to get myself annoyed with the fact that i can't edit as fast as them because obviously i just can't edit as fast as them uh-huh. so i kind of stopped just going do you know what i'll just own the really long edit because i don't I maybe it's not about the focus i just take a long time to edit there was nothing that i could have done to speed up my workflow mm-hmm. it's i don't think i overshoot any more photographs at weddings than any of those guys do i don't think <laughs> um you know, I think we looked at the images and it probably about three and a half thousand or four thousand at the end of a wedding. So it was the same, but I just obviously I'm a lot slower. So mm-hmm. I was like, stop comparing yourself. And I took the yeah. stress, I took the heat off myself a little bit and um, I just went back to my slow ass ways. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's wondering how fast is fast, I know for a fact that Neil Thomas Douglas can edit a wedding in three hours. I think Emma's about four or five, maybe three now. Yeah. I don't know. She's she's pretty fast as well. Yeah. And I was like... Damn. I, w- I want to do that. And I was like, you're not, so stop it. <laughs> they, they're obviously just half arse in the edit. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, no. look, when it comes to editing... I've seen Emma's edits are pretty... Are pretty <laughs> no, I, well, and as Neil was saying, he shoots straight now. So that makes yeah. a big difference. He said it took him decades to shoot straight. And Emma gets stuff really right in camera. And like, mm. she'll post up pictures and I'm like, 
why is it so sharp? She's like, uh, your images should be sharp. I'm like, yeah, but yours look weirdly, like amazingly sharp. Like my camera's of another era. Like how, what are you using? And it was the same gear. So I'm like, is my lenses dirty? Am I, am I doing something wrong here? So mm. she, I think they just get it more right in camera. I'm obviously just maybe dicking about a bit yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, but have you seen Emma's reds? Oh, Amy Lee says those reds are, <laughs> are uh, they need work. The co- I'm the so, contra- the co- we're talking about Emma. <laughs> she can't defend herself. Poor lass. Poor lass. We'll, Not yet. We'll, Not we'll, yet. Yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on. Because um, I do I do quickly want to talk about your isolation creations because I find them bloody awesome as well. Uh, such a, I want you to I, do I, more of them. Yeah, such a unique take on... Well, the, like you say, the old masters, you know, kind of very, very, very um, oil painterly vibes. And you've done, you've done the birth of Venus, escaping yeah. criticism, and the young John the Baptist. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, talk about why you did these and how you did these. I bloody love these. Like I'm obsessed mm. with them. See if I could make a career out of turning people into old paintings. I would bloody love it it's, it was my favorite thing yeah. to do the one of my son as young john the baptist when i was thinking oh. of inspiration and i seen that picture and then he i just he was sitting in his ikea plastic white high chair on the side having his breakfast and my mum was having like hotel transylvania on an ipad above him and i just shot him having breakfast and i'll need to actually put up the the raw like the, the original image via what it turned out because everyone's like oh my god like how beautiful is he? He looks like a cherub. And I'm like, he's literally having his breakfast <laughs> watching Hotel Transylvania. You that know, like hilarious. But how we turned it into that, it was, it to me, that was magical. And yeah. I know some people are like, well, it's not photography because you've turned it into, and you're so much Photoshopping. Shut up. This started oh, as God. a photo. It started as a photograph. And yeah. where it went, I love that vibe. Because I think the reason I love those old masters and I love them for inspiration is, you know, you never go to a museum and be like, oh, Da Vinci, outdated, you know, <laughs> Caravaggio. He was of his oh. time, but nobody would do it now. You're like, no, yeah. you don't. The masters are the masters for a reason. And we still study their light and we still study their work now for a reason. So to use mm. that and to pull that as our influences is never going to date. Um, and I love the fact that that's why I use the word heirloom and timeless um, and masterpieces in them, because that's what we're wanting to create. If I could go to a photographer who gave me that image of, the young John the Baptist recreation of my child, I would treasure that over 60 photographs <laughs> of him playing. Not that it's any, they're just two di- totally different genres. Yeah. I have I have both, but I would adore that. And mm. I think that's something that um, that was just a wee bit unique. And I would have loved to have done it more, but it was it's very time consuming. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of figured it would be, but uh, they are wonderful, I have to say. And if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, you have to check them out. They're on Kelly's website. Um, just, yeah, just just really fantastic. Yeah. And such a such a, a unique thing that you don't see very often. And honestly, if, if you're thinking, that's not a photograph, oh, just do one. Like, that is so, yeah. like, I can't believe people are like, like you don't do that with any well do people do that with other forms of art i suppose maybe they did like when pop art came along like that's not real art that's it's it's just absolutely absurd that there should be there there should be or could be rules to creating art and who even cares if it's a photograph or or a digital image or whatever yeah well they're saying what's the point of turning a photograph into a painting and i was like well (laughs) where an artist is using brushes and they still have influences and i'm sure 
you know, a lot of the women that are in their images are beautiful. They've got beautiful skin and beautiful eyelashes and their eyes are bright and white mm. and the hair is lovely. So yes, I do that in my images, but the ones of my children, I mean, I, the only images that I chose for myself, I chose them because I thought they looked easy because mm-hmm. I did one and it was really difficult. And I think it was Lady um, Magdalene in Ecstasy. I was like, oh, the woman leaning on an elbow on a chair like that's easy mm-hmm. i put my neck out and i put my back out so bad that i've still not got over it and that <sighs> was from june last year yeah because it was like you're because i said to my mom i was like mom can you just look, look at the ipad and just tell me what to do and she was like hold your shoulder up like you're on the phone and i was like all right okay put your hand down put your chin down uh, chin up back arch your back put your bum in i was like oh jesus i was like mom i've got a cramp mama she said just wait hold it and then obviously i'm trying to put the camera on timer and it was horrific. I went into a spasm. I've never recovered from it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I chose it because it was easy. That I thought it was easy. I thought she was just a reclining, a reclining woman. Yeah, how wrong I was. Yeah. Mm, what you said there about the creating timeless images. There's so many photographers and filmmakers, us included, like wedding photographers, who do use that those words in their work. Like, you want to create mm-hmm. a timeless heirloom for your sort of visual legacy, but. Yeah, the masters are like the originals. They they've been timeless forever. And it's like yeah. his wedding photography can it be timeless? Because it's you've got people in sort of outfits that are those are going to date the work eventually. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so you're I talking mean, about the, the individual elements that make up all the like all the aspects of a wedding, like the fashion, the yeah. the ceremonies themselves. Are those going to date? Oh, okay. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because the. This is another, we talked, we touched about this in another room we were talking about once where sometimes um, you have to have certain life events or things that have happened where, you know, there's, there's people in the speaker's rooms that were raised a certain way, their lifestyles were certain way, their parents were certain ways. It's completely influenced their work and you can see that in their work. You can see the influences on things. And for me, things changed when I lost my dad because he was my best friend. He was such a young guy. I just never thought it would happen. It was always someone else's parents. It was always someone else that died. You're always helping somebody else's whose parent had died. And then literally the first thing that happened, I was like, shit, where's the photos? Oh, like to have one of them with my son, like to have him with the other baby, to have him with the, to have it, where's the ones, the ones at the wedding? Like you start going through all this up because that is it. It's your memories, mm-hmm. a couple of bits of clothes and these photographs. And because there's so many photographers now and it's a little bit, easier for people to maybe um try it out with digital photography rather than it being film stuff which was you know a real learning curve with the digital Mm. stuff people can dip their toe into and people can also do it on their iphones amazingly um that there's a certain um maybe shine that's not not shine that's taken off photography but you know these are when you have these sessions done like i would have loved to have a picture with my dad properly and you think when you try to tell young dads now when they get these pictures, like, oh, I don't want to take pictures. I'm like, if you look at the photographs you've got, it will be selfies at the football, maybe selfies at the gym, depending what kind of person you are, out with your mates. Or if you're more kind of hipstery dad, there'll be a few of you basically covered up with a beard and a hat and your baby standing in a park. That might be it. Like, I would love a picture of my dad just looking like my granddad did at the war, like when they were in uniforms or mm. the smart suits. And you maybe only get that at weddings, but then a lot of people don't do like full groom portraits, which I love to do now and add it into my work because I want that that dad and that groom to have a picture of him, you know, feeling as amazing as the bride did and looking, you, they can look back on it and the wife and the children can look back and just go, I like that. And it's not a, a selfie of him at the gym. Yeah. 
that's the heirloom part to me. Um, but I had that perspective because I lost my dad. So I maybe never had it beforehand, even though maybe I, I, I understood what heirloom meant. Now I really understand what it means. And I really understand the value of um, portraiture. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Uh, that was deep. Power. That <sighs> was deep. Uh, yeah. She went there. She went, she went there with a the dead dad. I did. I well, did. But it was true. It took, well, that, it took my yeah. work on another level. So it was, um, mm. it was important. Yeah. Well, thank you for being open and honest with us. Thanks, love. It means a, it means a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, um, that's probably a good time to wrap up. Thank you, Kelly, for, for spending your time on this beautiful sunny day. I know. My I know. Goodness. I don't know if we chose. I don't know if we chose the best day for everyone to be like, "I'm out in the sun, people." <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we recorded it, but it was nice to just talk to you guys. I know we've only ever had a couple of times in some rooms, and some of the people that came in and listened to us there have been in rooms with, and they're so lovely. So mm-hmm. I thank them for coming in and listening as well. Yeah. Yes. No. Definitely. Um, can you tell listeners where they can find you online? Uh, yeah, on Instagram, it's Kelly Quinn Photography. And unfortunately, you have to type the whole word out because Instagram won't show me up. But my link is in the bio here on Clubhouse or just kellyquinn.com. I shortened it from Kelly Quinn Photography because clearly I think I'm Beyonce. So just <laughs> kellyquinn.com. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, if you haven't already clicked on the follow button for Kelly, you should absolutely do that and click on the wee bell because her photography and womanhood room with Emma Lawson is fantastic. I highly encourage you to go there and give it a listen. And people can find us at cinematefilms.co.uk. Our Instagram and Facebook is uh, Cinemate Films. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, you can join us on Patreon. And I hope that you do at patreon.com forward slash perspective by Cinemate. As for a little as a pound, you can support the podcast and get our update newsletters. And for the price of a coffee every month, you get access to the Q&A sections, which if you've been joining us live, you know is just a fantastic, fun listen you also get access to our roundtable discussions that we have on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and um, even more bonus content that you can't get anywhere else. Of course, if you don't have any money to give, that's absolutely fine. You're still our best friends. You can, of course, hit that subscribe button so you get a notification and get your normal podcast for free. If you consider leaving a review, that would be awesome and we'll even give you a shout out if you do. However, in the meantime, enjoy your life.